0: And I heard this guy say something. I, I know God was gonna give me a word from it. And a guy, Brazilian guy, was fighting another guy. Another Brazilian was telling him, "I just the guy went from America. He was from somewhere else." So the Brazilian guy yelled out, yell out. when the other Brazilian guy beat this other guy. He yelled out, "Welcome to America." The funny part about that is it was the Brazilian saying that. But this, but this a thing behind it. God gave me a word. He said, "Good thing about." He said, "One good thing about Americans, we are real stubborn, and we
1: won't give up." But there's also a bad part about that too. And God said, "There's some people here today. He asked you. He asking you to give up your will for His will. Will you do that?"
2: This goes along with Pastor um, Dexter. Uh, This weekend I was at a meeting with my husband, and they were talking about the will. And you can't go anywhere until you have a Garden of Gethsemane experience and you lay your will down. You can't walk where God wants you to walk. You can't, uh, like Pastor John and Valerie are going somewhere, their feet have been nailed with blood scars. And when they go, they're taking Christ with them. Whatever you put your hand to, there's blood marked on that. The word blessed was originally meant, the, the etymology of it is to be marked by blood. If we are blessed, we are marked by blood. So everything you do has to come out of your will. And I heard the Holy Spirit say as we were singing, he said, I'm always speaking. I'm speaking to every single person in here. It's like we keep waiting for words, and he says, I have lots of words, but I'm speaking to you yourself. Sit down and listen to what I'm saying. Quiet your heart and Listen. Pastor
0: Susan, Man, If you are a member of a congregation and the Lord's giving you a word today if you'll give it to Pastor Susan write it down and give it to Pastor Susan but an elder if an elder has a word from the Lord right now
1: <laughs> I want him to share it right now <laughs> It's partly for you The Lord said there is a time to be hidden under the shadow of his wing and there's nothing wrong with that There is a time when you are crossing your threshold to your destiny, when the Lord will say, have you beheld my servant blank? And he will allow you to be tested. And from that test, as you pass, he gets great glory and honor to his name over his adversaries. He shows them the manifold wisdom of God through his servants. And Pastor John, (laughs) what I felt like the Lord said was he has gotten great glory from how you have handled the testing that has come on your life through this transition. He has done yet, but dealt yet another blow to the principalities and powers in this area. They have not been able to bring you down. They have not been able to cause you to give up in discouragement. And they know that they have been overcome by one of the saints All right, well, I encourage you to um, honor the man of God
2: coming to bring the word tonight by staying off your electronics unless you're using them to, as the Bible or taking notes. And I ask you to encourage him with your amens and your hallelujahs and your attention. And I should give Pastor John Staples a warm welcome as he comes. <laughs>
0: Try this other one, see how it works out. Um, so if you didn't catch that reference that Pastor Richard, the word Pastor Richard gave, it was from Job, where he says, Have you beheld my servant? And I'll just tell you. <laughs> That's really not something I want to hear God say about me. He already done, he? <laughs> well, the thing is, you don't get a choice of the matter when he does it. But what it means is, mm, you know, what it meant for Job was a lot of stuff was coming his way. A lot of hard things were coming his way. And, um, you know, all the way through it, Job said, you know, there's a bunch of stuff. You know, all his friends had all the answers. They knew what God was saying and they were wrong. And, um, you know, there were some things he thought he knew that, you know, he he was confused about, And you know. But there was one thing he said he did know. There was one thing through all that good stuff, bad stuff. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives. And the last day I'll see him stand upon the earth. And, um, you know, I've been in the middle of some of those times where you just couldn't make, you know, you so spun around, you couldn't figure out which way was up. You know, things were so tough and coming at you so fast that you just, you felt like you weren't going to be able to make it, but you did anyway. And, but through all that, you got to, you got to keep your focus on the one thing that really matters and that Jesus is who he claims he is. And um, he is our only hope. I have, uh, talking about transitions, I've, you know i've I've made this transition in my life in the last two months, and it's a very difficult one. I've gone to bifocals, I feel old. so when I stand here, everything down here is blurry, like when I try to glance down at, at my iPad, I used to be able to read the words and now what I have to do is this or or this, and I have to keep tilting up <laughs> so anyway so if i if I've got some weird uh, contortion, you know, going on. If I look a little strange, er, than normal, um, that's my excuse tonight. Is um, is my my glasses are not behaving. Um, you know, normally I'm I'm not in everyday life. I'm not just standing up here in front of people. So I'm, I'm trying to decide if I can see them better without without. Anyway, enough of that. Um, interestingly enough. Um, that as you talk about the sufferings that we go through. It, I, I've been, the Lord has just had me wrapped up in, in the book of First Peter uh, all week long. I just can't get away from it. And um, so there's this one particular thing that the Lord showed me, and I shared some of it with my group on Wednesday night. And um, it, so... The, the question I asked Wednesday night is, are you ready? Do you remember that? Who was in my home group Wednesday? Remember, are you ready? So I'm asking you, are you ready? You sure? Remember what that means? <laughs> it means I might call you up here. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. So the book of 1 Peter is all about suffering. This, this book mentions suffering more than probably any other book in the New Testament. Uh, and it's a short book. It's like, you know, just a few short chapters. And, um, you know, it talks about the suffering that Jesus went through, but it also talks about the suffering that we would go through uh, in the form of, and if you read it and get into the language, you know, some of it, it's not real specific, but I think some of it is trial, uses the word trials, which could mean a temptation, that, that their faith is being tested. They're actually being tested, tempted by the old ways and they're, they're having to withstand this temptation. And then some of it is that they're being um, you know, verbally attacked, uh, perhaps physically attacked, from people who don't like what they're preaching. And um, so the, <clears throat> 1 Peter 1 says, um, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims, of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Um, So that word pilgrims, um, in some translations you'll see the word strangers. Uh, It's not just a word kind of thrown. It's also, you may see the word sojourner. This is this is the same word in the Old Testament that was used for sojourner. Um, if you go in Deuteronomy, remember back in Deuteronomy, I believe it was like 28, where he talks about um, the blessings and the curses. And if you'll do these things, all these blessings will overtake you. And all the people said amen. And um, he said, you know, if you'll do all these things, you know, all the blessings will overtake you. And then do all these things... The curses will overtake you. One of those things, one of the big things that all of the people said back and forth to each other and all the congregation said, amen, was the mistreatment of strangers, of foreigners, of migrants, immigrants. Um, it's become a popular thing in this country. Today. Well, not a popular. It's become a very unpopular to- topic in this country of all this immigrants. You know, are they... Um, you know this dangerous alien invasion, or are they? Um, you know, are they people desperate people just looking for safe haven? Well, I'll just tell you something, and you you may get mad at me right here and now. But before I'm a, a citizen of the United States of America, and I am, I love this country. I'm grateful for this country. But before I'm an American, I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. And I'll just tell you, when he looks down on this earth, he doesn't see the boundaries that we see. He doesn't give me this exclusion uh, that I can can love Americans and mistreat someone else because they're not an American. And so as a son of God, as a child of God, my first response can't be as an American. It has to be as a child of God. It has to be, I'm going to love these people. And when God, when he gave that commandment in Deuteronomy chapter 28... He said, because remember, you yourselves were strangers, were sojourners in a strange land. And remember, you know, there were lots of stories all through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, where they're, you know, traveling across the, uh, you know, on the path through the wilderness um, that some nations bless them and protect, you know, but there were also nations along the way that were afraid of them. And, uh, you know, either wouldn't allow them safe haven in their nation or, like, actually attacked them. Um, and God didn't forget those things. You know, those, those, th- those things held on for a long time. But it's interesting that, that we as Christians, um, the word of God refers to us as sojourners. It just, we're immigrants just passing through this world. Our, our allegiance is first and foremost, is citizens of heaven. Amen. And um, it's a really big distinction to make. Because, look, I, I, I didn't just grow up in the United States. I grew up in Alabama, the great state of Alabama, okay? So every morning, I said the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States. Every morning, I, I sang My Country Tis of the or you know, America the Beautiful. And I, I love this nation. And, and I look around this room and I see men and women who have served and sacrificed for the freedoms we enjoy. And I don't want you to think I take that lightly in any way. I love you and I'm grateful for what you've done for us, this nation. Um, but I also, I, I just, I can't get past that word right now. In First Peter, it says to the pilgrims. Like I said, if you look that word up, it is the word sojourner, stranger, immigrant, foreigner. And I just think it's so clear. And yeah, there's a huge, huge risk in offering shelter and love and protection to a stranger. But it's what we're called to as Christians. We're called to this risky love that, that goes out on a limb and risks the possibility of being hurt or injured. But I'll just tell you, we got some safeguards in place, plenty of of guys in this room that will <laughs> back me up if something goes down, something goes south. Um, so, you know, don't be stupid. I'm not asking you to be stupid, but I am want you to. I am asking you to rethink who you're really, are, where your allegiance lies, who you're loyal to first. And it's not this nation. My 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 allegiance, my loyalty is first and foremost to my Lord. And that crosses a lot of boundaries. Um, so anyway, I've, I, I, I have no intention of being political in that. Um, it's, it's just a reality of us and how, you know, I don't, I don't care how you vote and, and, you know, how you come down on all this stuff that's going on right now. Lots of logical arguments can be made for lots of things. But as, as citizens of heaven, we're called to love people. Amen? Um, so... I also, what's interesting about First Peter, you know, like I said, is this book that talks about suffering. Um, that right in the middle of First Peter, um, it talks about marriage. Um, in the middle of this book about suffering. <clears throat> And I heard a preacher say, I didn't say this now. I heard another preacher say this week. Let me get a drink of water here. While I ponder my next words. He said, (laughs) he said, I never knew what happiness was until I got married. But then it was too late. (laughs) Leave your mom alone. (laughs) Perhaps I shouldn't say the other thing (laughs) there. He said, I never knew what happiness was until I got married, but then it was too late. Um, um, (laughs) Yeah, I think I should just leave that one alone while while I'm behind. Um, I think it is interesting. When, uh, when, when Peter's talking about suffering and persecution, he does talk about um, how we should... Um, well, when in First Peter 3, it says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Uh, this is First Peter 3, verse 1. That even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. In, in, the, in the King James, it says the word conversation, but it's this word that means your behavior, how you live. And I think it's clear there. He's talking to, uh, in some, some regard, he's talking about women, Christian women who are married to unbelievers, that some of the persecution, the suffering that they're enduring is coming from their own household. It's coming from a man that doesn't share their faith. Um, and he's saying, uh, you're in this difficult situation The Lord has called you to, um, to win, to possibly win your husband over by the way that you live, by the way that you treat him. And, um, he says, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let be the adornment merely outward. Um, but he's, he's basically saying the inward man of the heart is how you can win somebody over. And, um. I always whenever we come here, some of you have been one-on-one with me when I shared this chapter with you. I always like to point out, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, the verse that's addressed to wives is not addressed to husbands to tell their wives. It's addressed to wives. Okay? When he gets down to verse 7, he's talking about husbands. He said, Now, y'all tell your husband to. No, that's not what he said. He said, Husbands likewise. So, for all you men, verse 1 is none ya, none your business. Okay? It's not addressed to you. It's, it's stay in your lane. <laughs> um, I think the point there in marriage uh, and, is that God wants us to. Work on ourselves first before you go trying to fix your spouse, before you go pointing out their flaws. Um, work on becoming the, the, the husband or the wife that God wants you to be. Um, that's not even in my notes. It's not part of my sermon. No extra charge. That was a, a gimme, a bonus, a freebie. You're welcome. Um, <clears throat> So finally, be, uh, verse 8, <coughs> we'll get past that, all that other stuff that I normally stop in on 1 Peter 3, that I'm not going to stop in on today. Verse 8 says, Finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, courteous. I love that word, tenderhearted. That's the same word that's in Ephesians chapter 4, I believe, verse 32. It says, Be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one neither even as god for christ's sake has forgiven you that we're tender-hearted remember means that that we've decided ahead of time that when someone acts offensive towards us that we're we're going to have a tender heart towards them um and it's one of those things you've got to work on and decide ahead of time because tests and trials are going to come people are going to pull out in front of you uh, Home Depot is going to require the. Never mind. <laughs> I should get. Well, okay. So I had this test this week. It's complicated. I don't know if we need to go down this lane. I rented an excavator for a day, a month ago. It's still sitting in my yard. And. um. Got stuck in the mud, got up, was pressure washing it, went running down there an hour late and uh, didn't quite get all the mud off of it. So they charged me $187 because it was an hour late and $200 extra because it was still had some dirt on it. I was gonna rent this for $350 for the first day. And so now they're charging me an extra, I mean, we're already like right here. So we kept it for the week that just turned into a month and then it broke down and the repair guy says, well, I'll go in on Saturday. I've still got, you know, more than a week on it. I, I says, this thing's not working. You know, I need some help. And they're like, well, it'll be Monday before we can, he'll respond to us. I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> thanks. It's sitting in my front yard. And, uh, so he calls me a money says there's no way I can get there today. He said, maybe tomorrow. So, it was due back Saturday, but it had been Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, three full days. It was sitting in my yard waiting for somebody to come fix it. So I call them, and um, I call them Saturday to say, what time on Tuesday is it due? And they're like, it's not due on Tuesday, it's due today, an hour ago. So here we are again, and it's dirty. <laughs> I'm already, you know, about to be about 400 dollars extra in to this. and uh, so fi- and, and, and by this point, just so you know, the girl at the rental counter, her name is D, and she is a sweetheart. I mean, she is so nice. Now, there's somebody else here that's not so nice. I won't mention Mike's name, but uh, <laughs> no, no Mike, Mike is a good guy, but he's just by the book, guy, you know And um, So D is explaining to me politely that um, that it's already late. I don't know if you can imagine my response. My children, my children can. Okay. So there's this extra guy in this movie a long time ago. That there was this this guy named Roberto, Roberto. It was the water boy's dad, and he was crazy. He was crazy. That was his official diagnosis. He was cross-eyed, and he was just just all temper, right? So whenever my kids see me lose my temper, they don't call me dad. They don't call me anything to my face. They call me Roboito. To, they're like, they call mom and go, Mom, Roboito is back. So, so there I am on the phone. There I am on the phone with Home Depot, and, and I'm trying. I'm really trying, y'all. I'm really trying to not lose my temper, but I'm, I'm losing my temper. <laughs> and so there I am talking to Dee, this really nice, sweet clerk, you know, making not near enough money for what she's doing probably, for putting up with people like me. And, uh, and I start getting all mouthy about, you know, how it hasn't been a full month even, and, you know, it's only been 27 days, and, you know, I can count, and, you know, <laughs> I don't know, I said some other things that when, I got to, when we got to playing the tape back weren't correct. Um, I just had a bad response about it. And I'm not saying this to you because I'm proud of it. I'm saying this to you just to get real with you that you know we all want to keep the old man in check and sometimes that flesh rises up and you say things and you do things that you ought not do. And I want to take you, take the moment to encourage you today. This is the whole point of what we're talking about today. Is you know Jesus said to us to go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature to make disciples and and then he goes on and he tells us some ways that we should do that. And that's where we're going today. I'm gonna tell you how you go and make disciples, and I'm gonna tell you how he wants you to do it. Um so So when you get there and you lose your temper, you cross that line with your wife, with your children, with the Home Depot clerk, um and the Lord puts His finger on it. You need to deal with it. You need to deal with it quickly. You need to be man or woman enough to to repent and say, "Look, I'm sorry, and my behavior wasn't correct, and I'm sorry I spoke to you that way. Will you please forgive me?" And um, so, so we get on down to the to where, where we're talking about now, in uh, verse 15. Um, this is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We'll read it again. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. Um, so, really, there's only one reason for the hope that's within us, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's the blood of Jesus that washes away our sin. And this is what we covered Wednesday night: was salvation doesn't happen because we did some bad stuff, and now we got to do some good stuff to outweigh the bad stuff we did. That's not how it works. Okay? There's no good that you can do to outweigh the bad that you've done. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is its death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Okay? So we've committed these sins for these sins. We have earned, we've worked. Just like you work all week long, you get a paycheck. Okay? When you sin, you earn death. When you do good stuff, you earn, the Bible says that our our righteousness is as filthy rags. You work as hard as you want to. It ain't enough to buy your way into heaven. You ain't good enough, you can't get good enough. The gift of God is eternal life. So the only hope we have is that we accept that gift that Jesus gave us. Jesus, that, that, that is our only hope. And let me tell you, you need to be ready at any given moment when someone asks you to be, re- to be ready to tell them that, what I just told you, how you got saved, how, you, how they can be saved. Okay, so let's, let's just get down a little deeper in that, in that verse. It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Sanctify it means it's set apart. It's something holy. It's something set aside from everything else. So before you can be ready to give an account, before you can be ready to give a defense, an answer, when someone asks you about the hope in your life, before you can ever do that, you've got to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. I mean, number one, you gotta be saved, like really born again. The Holy Ghost has got to draw you and you gotta say yes. And you gotta accept the gift that the Lord has given you. You can't, you can't give a defense for something that you don't have. So you gotta be saved. But I, I think that's, that word is deeper. I think that you've made the Lord holy in your heart, that your heart is not divided, that you're not giving your allegiance to the world and, and to the world systems and to Him but that you're giving yourself totally and completely and only to him. That you've made the Lord holy in your heart. You've you've set aside the throne of your life for the Lord Jesus and not given it back to anyone else. You've not tried to wrestle control. You've not staged a coup and taken him back off the throne. But it's his. Your life is his. Okay? So you can't be ready. You're not ready to answer that question when someone asks you, "What's, what's this hope in your life? You can't answer unless you've you've sanctified the Lord God in your hearts. Okay, so, so sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone. What does it say? Somebody read it to me. Give a defense to everyone you see, to everyone that gets on your nerves, to everyone you work with, to everyone that you see in the workplace. For everyone who asked. And I'll just tell you, it happened to me this week. That Home Depot clerk said, That joy in your life, I gotta have some of it in my life. What is this? What is this hope that you've got that makes you such a butthole? <laughs> I know I'm a pastor and I'm not supposed to say that, but let's just get real. That's what I was doing, that's what I was being. And she wasn't asking about the hope in my life because she wasn't seeing any. She wasn't asking about the hope in my life. So so we're out evangelizing. We're telling people about Jesus. We're knocking on doors and they're hiding from us because they don't want to see us. And God's giving you people at the gas station, at the grocery store, at Home Depot, that they need what you got. They need the hope of glory and they ain't got it. But they ain't asking because they don't see it. They're not asking because they don't see it in us. Because we hadn't really sanctified and sold out. When they see the hope of glory in you, they're going to ask about the hope of glory in you. So if they're not asking, either we ain't got it, we hadn't got it, or it ain't bubbled up to the surface yet. We still hiding him over in the corner. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't know what to call this, but maybe be nice evangelism. Um, if you really want, if you really want to win this world to Jesus, you know, I'm glad we got our cross and you walk the neighborhood, but if you walk in the neighborhood and you're yelling at their kids or, you know, they've seen you at the, you know, down here at, at the gas station, cutting people off and down there in the line at 165, trying to turn left, you know, you know, all the places where our tempers flare up, um, come on folks. The life we're living. I'm not saying you don't ever preach the gospel to somebody who don't want to hear it. And you go to Mars Hill. I mean, you, I mean, there, there are a lot of places where, where the gospel was preached in a hostile environment where people weren't saying, you know, please tell me. No, there were lots of places where they were like, one more word, we're going to pick up rocks and kill you. And they kept on preaching, you know. I'm not saying it's like this every time, okay, but I think we've got a pattern for making disciples right here. And we can't ignore it. That if we're really going to reach this world with the love of Jesus, they got to see enough of it in action in our lives where they ask us, what is this hope that you've got? And when it comes up, be ready. Don't miss your opportunity. So... Um, So they're not asking because they don't see it. But I tell you this one right here. I, I wanted to read it to you the way I heard it the first time. Um, I believe it's the English standard version. <coughs> it says, "Okay, this is this." Is the, I'll read the whole thing to you in the English standard version. It says, "But your heart, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy always." being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Do it with gentleness and respect. Respect. Now, if you husbands love that word right there at verse 1, where it says, likewise, be subject to your own husbands, submit yourself to your own husbands this is what God's called you to do to strangers who don't deserve your respect, strangers who have perhaps been unkind to you because, perchance, they might be the person that God's put in your path for you to lead to Jesus, okay? So what I'm saying is people that you think might be less than, people that might be, um, maybe they're not as smart as you think they should be or as polite as you should be, as they should be, Strangers, sojourners, foreigners. Uh, Let me tell you, the the word foreigner, um, I grew up in Beulah, Alabama. Okay, And if I go back there, because I have this vanilla lack of southern accent now. See, y'all think think I've got a southern accent. But if we both walked into Beulah, they would say to both of us, where are y'all from? Now, I do a little code switching when I get down there, and I talk more like Philip Saylor when I get to Beulah, okay? I grew up about two miles from Beulah, I mean, from uh, Philip's house, maybe about a mile from his house. Um, and so when I go out there, they talk to me. Where where are y'all from? You know, because I don't talk like them. Um, I remember when we moved to Milledgeville, Georgia, I had a similar situation where I was, you know, with having a disagreement with a person and and they said you ain't from around here are you you know we're in some light we're all strangers um the lord put strangers in our path um the word says sometimes we're entertaining angels unaware and that we should always think of strangers in that light we should always think that perhaps god sent angels Uh, Or perhaps God sent a lost person who's desperately needing to hear and see the gospel in our lives. And so, first off, don't be so pushy. Don't be trying to shove what you got down their throat. If you got something worth asking about, somebody's going to ask you. If they ain't asking, take a good look in the mirror and say, Lord, what am I doing that I need to be doing different? How should I be talking to people different? And then when you get a chance to share the gospel, do it with gentleness and respect. Amen. Don't be walking around with your giant Bible trying to put one more notch on it. Yeah, I got another one saved. No. Humble yourself down and show them the kind of respect that you would, even to a total stranger, somebody that doesn't look like they deserve or need respect, um, for the chance that you might get uh, to share the gospel. Um, if you don't know how to find lost people, put an Uber sticker on your car, start picking people up on Saturday night at the bar and you're going to pick people up in the hood and at the, at the dorm and a lot of people that hadn't earned an ounce of respect and you get a lot of chance to share the gospel. They're hurting people all around us, y'all. But we got to live our life in such a way that people are hungry and that hungry people are asking us what we got. Amen. Um, that's it. That's one, my one point. Be nice. Uh, start start acting better uh and we'll start with me uh <laughs> um, i don't want you to think i'd uh, well we won't try we won't try to justify it and whitewash it. it i i misbehaved i didn't i didn't well there i go i didn't do i didn't cuss <laughs> i didn't think i was screaming <laughs> But I've been told by more than one people when I was just loudly discussing, just, just discussing something firmly that I didn't have to yell. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> I'm not yelling, right, John Cowan? Am I right? <laughs> this isn't yelling. I'll show you yelling, right? <laughs> people are way too sensitive, yeah. Oh, y'all stand up with us. <laughs> it's great to see y'all tonight I love y'all very much um, Remember that we do not have a Sunday service We've got a Friday night service coming up this Friday uh, we, gotta, we have church starting at 6.30 Start eating at 6.30 um, And if, if you got a mama like, like, Pastor. I think it was Pastor Dee Dee. Pastor Susan was saying. Pastor Susan was saying, if you're blessed enough for your mother to still be on this earth breathing, you need to find a way to bless her. Uh, make sure that you see your mama, that you uh, that you bring, treat your mama right, as Mister T would say. Um, y'all make sure that you uh, make Pastor Guilford feel welcome. Uh, Pastor Guilford, anything you want to say to us? <laughs> In like five minutes or less. It's not what you can do, it's what God can do for you. Amen. So when you have to
1: deal with a situation, deal with it from the standpoint of who God is in you. And allow your speech to be the answer that God wants to supply in the
0: heart of that person. That soul attaining and balanced with you. Amen. Amen. Um, If you need prayer, Uh, I'm going to ask some of the elders and their wives to come on and make their way up here. And uh, if you need prayer for any reason tonight, if you need someone to pray with you, uh, come on up here. Don't be shy about it. Um, And y'all make sure that you love one another, that you check on each other. And I'm going to ask Pastor Joey Strong, if you will, to pray and dismiss us. Thank you. Lord, we're just grateful for your word, grateful for this opportunity to fellowship together. And I pray, God, that you would bless our week. Father, that you would remind us every moment who we are in you and who you are in us. And that we'd walk and live like you require us to, Lord, that people would see Jesus in us. And I ask you, Father, for your favor and grace and protection and safety and prosperity of your people in Jesus' name. Amen.